0: Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgettis. Welcome to my show, America, Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about Ayn Rand and the coronavirus ministry of truth. We have Hans von Spakovsky joining us from the Heritage Foundation talking about mail-in ballot schemes, the coronavirus exposing the left's agenda, and finally, Texas forgot about liberty. And I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned.
1: Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth.
0: Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome again to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm mixing metaphors in this First Five today. I entitled the First Five, Ayn Rand and the Coronavirus Ministry of Truth. What I'm getting at is this. My husband just finished reading the Ayn Rand book called We the Living. It's her very first book. And I know people sometimes say Ayn Rand. I believe she went used Ayn, but however she said it, Ayn Rand was endlessly making the point, helping people understand what it's like to live under communism. She was a just strident advocate for do not bring socialism or communism to more of the world. She was trying to expose its evils. In this very first book, which is a quasi-autobiographical fictional book, she talked about life in Russia right after the communist revolution happened. That's where the story set. The story is filled with examples of the idea that the government simply tells you what is permissible to think, tells you what truth is, and then that becomes what you must say and repeat. Similarly, and here's how I'm mixing metaphors, George Orwell's book, 1984, obviously many references to that book in today's uh, political conversation, modern political conversation. But in that book, the author, George Orwell, created uh, a ministry of the government called the Ministry of Truth. And the basic idea of this government entity in the fictional 1984 book was, they tell you what truth is. They define truth. And if truth today must be the opposite of what they said it was yesterday, then they go back, this ministry of truth changes what was true, just act like it never happened. The next day, everyone's saying, oh yeah, it's always been this way, even though they actually changed things. It is this notion that an all powerful government that cannot be challenged or even just media in a country that can't be challenged can cause you to begin to lose track of valuing truth, insisting to yourself that truth exists. The concept of truth exists. And this is relevant in our conversation today because you may recall yesterday, if you watched the show yesterday, I played a clip by Dr. Daniel Erickson. He and another doctor, uh, Dr. Masahi, who are in Kern County, California. They run the largest testing clinic for coronavirus in all of California. And these two doctors sat down and did what many people might have thought was a fairly boring press conference. They had media in the room and they sat down and went through data. They didn't make political arguments, they didn't make, they weren't confrontational, they didn't make accusations against any person. They simply said, here are the facts. The basic facts they were saying would, and, and they got to the conclusions that the policy, the decision we made in America to go for shelter in place and how we chose to react to the coronavirus shock to our nation was to go with shelter in place uh, all the orders about you know social distancing, closing down the entire economy, closing down businesses. And these two doctors were arguing, along with others I quoted in yesterday's show, that this was not the right approach for America with the mission of trying to get us through coronavirus in a healthy manner. They basically were saying shelter in place actually perpetuates the danger to America, keeps more and more people vulnerable. It does not serve the purpose it was intent- <clears throat> excuse me, intended to do but instead it perpetuates the danger and in fact they went through all sorts of data talking about that even originally the perception that this virus was extremely lethal that has not been borne out by the numbers they shared numbers from their own clinic santa clara county california new york other states around the country other countries in the world and they came to the same conclusion that this virus is contagious obviously And so they have millions of cases and a very small portion, a very tiny percentage of death. And they contrasted that with the danger to America of having a policy that essentially shuts down businesses. So it hurts people in a variety of ways, simply don't have income, leading to depression and all sorts of violence in the home and all of that. But it also causes people who need health care... have a serious problem. One of the stories they recounted was someone who really didn't want to go to the doctor even though they thought they were having a heart attack because they're afraid to go because they might get coronavirus. So I'm gonna and the reason I'm telling you this, reminding you again if you didn't see yesterday's show, YouTube, YouTube took down that video. If you try to click on the link that you can see on my Facebook page or if you look on a search on YouTube, it's gone and the statement up on the, on the uh, YouTube channel, on that particular video, says uh, this video was taken down because it d- doesn't meet YouTube com- YouTube community standards. Translation, this doesn't go along with the party line. This is not what you're allowed to be saying. This is inconsistent with the party line that we are putting out. And you doctors who actually know what you're talking about, with 40 years of medical experience between them, specialists in microbiology, specialists in immunology, You aren't allowed to share facts because people might believe you and then they won't go along with the agenda that the government has set. And when I say the government, I mean the left wing, the people in Washington who are, in my personal opinion, and the left in Washington and the media, they are exploiting this crisis to hurt the Donald Trump presidency. Everyone can see it. And YouTube can see it too, which is why they took down their video. Two other quick things that happened in a very, very similar nature. Uh, YouTube took down that video. They also, news came out today that Fox News, which used to be conservative, Fox News has now dropped the two women that were known as Diamond and Silk, two black conservative women who are kind of entertaining in the way they speak. Uh, Their real names are Lynette Diamond Hardaway and Rochelle Silk Richardson, dropped by Fox because they dared to make the point that the Democrat media mob, as I call them, but the Democrat Party, the left wing media in this country, are using the damage to the economy and from stemming from the coronavirus to attack President Trump. This apparently, even in Fox News, is something you're no longer allowed to say. Kind of like what the Ministry of Truth told people in 1984. And that, my friends, is today's First Five. So returning, I mentioned the start of the show. We have a guest joining us. We have Hans von Spakovsky. He is with the Heritage Foundation. He is at Heritage Foundation, a um, election law reform initiative. Uh, he's a senior legal fellow. He is just a fount of knowledge uh, about election law. And I want to have us on to him on today to talk about the fact Democrats in this country or leftists in this country, policymakers are arguing that given the threat of coronavirus. We shouldn't have in-person elections in the fall, that the country should turn entirely to mail-in ballot, or at least as far as possible, turn us to mail-in ballot. Why I want to talk to Hans is because I want to ask him to tell us what is so bad about mail-in ballots. Why are people concerned that mail-in ballots may lead to a fraudulent election? So first, Hans von Spakovsky, hello and welcome. Well, thanks
1: for having me. Look, the, the basic problem is that absentee ballots uh, depend on the U.S. Postal Service. And second, they are voted out of sight and out of the supervision of election officials. So that means you have no way of preventing uh, the kind of pressure that can be placed on voters when candidates and campaign organizations and others can go to their homes uh, and pressure them to fill out ballots a particular way or, in fact, Uh, complete their ballots for them. And I can cite you many cases of things like that happening, uh, including in Texas. Um, There are prosecutions going on of what are called politicaras, who are uh, folks who are paid to go to people's homes and collect their absentee ballots. And oftentimes, like I said, they fill out the ballots for them. Um, The Wisconsin election, which they just had, they found boxes of absentee ballots after the election that had not been delivered by the US Postal Service. And uh, just one other fact, um, the US Election Assistance Commission uh, uh, files reports with Congress every two years about federal elections. They collect data from the states. In the 2016 election, Debbie, you you recall, there was a 2.9 million uh, vote difference between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Well, according to the EAC in that same election, six and a half million absentee or mail-in ballots Uh, They don't know what happened to them, they're listed as unknown, they don't know what happened to the ballots after they handed them off to the Postal Service, and uh, many of them also were misdirected. They went to the wrong address or the US Postal Service sent them back saying, there is no
0: such registered voter at this address. Okay, so first of all, let's just break these problems down very quickly. The, we have to. If you go to mail-in ballots, you must, must, must rely on the postal service, which is usually, right. sadly, the butt of many jokes about just not reliable. And, um, and and so, but let's assume you had a perfect postal service, meaning that they they actually delivered all the ballots to the correct address, and and then they took the the ballots from the mail and delivered them back to the proper authority. Right. Assuming they're perfect, which they are not, not even close. But what I want to get at is how this can be used if. A person, if an entity were determined to cheat, they use the expression ballot harvesting. I know you're alluding to it. Right. But can you describe again what ballot harvesting means? Uh, in some states, uh, they
1: allow ballot or vote harvesting. That means that anyone can show up at your poll, at your house, to pick up your ballot to deliver it. So that means that candidates, campaign organizations, party activists, and political guns for hire can show up at your house to collect your ballot. And if, if you want to see what that what that means, all you have to do is look at the 2018 uh, congressional race in North Carolina. NC-9 It was the only contested race in the country. The election was overturned. Why? Because one of the candidates, in this case, the Republican candidate, had hired a, a well-known political consultant there, who sent his staff people to people's homes to collect their ballots. And the evidence showed that they forged signatures, altered ballots, and in some cases simply filled it out to make sure they got votes the way they wanted them. And this guy had previously worked for numerous Democratic candidates, too.
0: You know, there is an article. In fact, it's up at our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org, on the homepage under under shows drop down a list of links. The title should scare you: "15 Election Results That Were Thrown Out Because of Fraudulent Mail-in Ballots." It's a Daily Signal right. article. So this is not once in a while that or one time ever in American history. 15 times, actual results had to be thrown out because of fraudulent mail-in ballots. And so I just right. say, uh, it, it's a kind of a, a disaster waiting to happen. Um, And then the other instance you just mentioned, that there were 28 million mail-in ballots that went missing. That was in the, um, which, do you know about that one? one? Yeah,
1: 10 years worth of of elections, Uh, uh, 2012 through 2018. So that's a lot of missing ballots or misdirected ballots. And that shows the uncertainty of the absentee ballot process and the use of the mails.
0: It is just an astonishing thing. I mean, I just, I, I actually, well, I was mentioning before we got started today, I know of conservatives who are commenting on social media. Well, maybe given the coronavirus, you know, we can, this is what we have to do this time. We have to go to mail-in ballots. They couldn't really be that big of a problem. You know, this is America. This is 2020. We can keep track of mail-in ballots. But the inability, as you say, the inability of election clerks to be there to help you if you do something that is confused right. and inaccurate... Uh, The loss of things in the mail, the potential for fraud, overwhelming potential for fraud. I, I mean, there is no, it should be a very last resort instead of what some are trying to drive it to be, the primary one, right?
1: Right. No, you're absolutely right about that
0: yeah okay last thing i mentioned to you i saw an article that was talking about uh in wisconsin there was quite a controversy because the state of wisconsin ended up having in the middle of this pandemic having in-person voting many people right. claiming that it was going to be bad yeah the headline said There one article which actually was usa today so it wasn't a liberal source at all um said for all the bad headlines there's really no evidence that coronavirus spread as a result of this in-person election. They can say, well, so-and-so went there and got the virus, but it was not a big number. They didn't have an outbreak. So there's really not that example either to point to. So drop no, it up They had
1: the- turnout. To turn- the turnout in the Wisconsin primary with in-person voting was 34%. Uh, in 2008, when there was a heavily contested race between Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, it was... 35%. So almost identical. And 1.5 million people voted.
0: Yeah. I just, I, I you know, it seems like I'm going to talk about after we're finished talking today about the many ways in which this crisis is being exploited. But the idea of going to a known dangerous version of voting that, and, and which allows for uh, ballot harvesting, which uh, seems to be a problem. Okay. One last thing. I know we're about out of our time here, but Hans, there was a, in california there was problem there were problems with the uh, mail-in ballots and ballot harvesting in the midterm elections in 2018 right weren't there some seats right. that, that that seemed to be there
1: were a quarter a quarter million ballots suddenly absentee ballots suddenly came in after the election after election day because uh california had legalized vote harvesting two years ago And it changed the outcome of, uh, I think, seven or eight congressional races, uh, changing the outcomes based on the votes that had previously come in by Election Day.
0: And all of those, if I'm recalling the data correctly, all of those went from a a Republican victory to a Democrat victory. Is that right? I'm pretty sure. That's
1: correct. Simply
0: amazing. Hans von Spakovsky, first of all, thank you. I know you have a busy schedule. Thank you so much for taking time to join us today. And I love that you are an election law expert and you can help people understand this is not being offered because it's just a way to help people out. This is another scheme, another method to bring about dishonest results in elections and Americans deserve better. So thank you, Hans von Spakovsky.
1: Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.
0: Great to see you, sir. Okay, folks, I have to tell you, this is, we need to keep focusing on this because there is more and more talk about the effort of the left, even in this very next thing we're going to be watching, this very next bill that's going to be coming out of Congress to do further uh, coronavirus rescue aid. Nancy Pelosi is very strongly pushing for saying, it's just time we have to do it. We are gonna have to go ahead and work with and and get around to um, get around to having mail-in ballots as for our fall election. This is one of the many reasons the left tries to perpetuate this uh, crisis or keep America in a crisis mode because they can get things like this into legislation. I will remind you, back when this whole crisis first started, this whole uh, dealing with coronavirus, and you had the very first bill coming out of Congress very first bill that um, Nancy Pelosi got on top of, um, and she talked about, she went through all the ways they put in that their aid package for coronavirus, all sorts of things that had nothing to do with helping coronavirus victims, nothing to do with, with trying to stop the spread, everything to do of exploiting this crisis to try to put in place manipulative practices the left uses to cheat in elections. And this was the very first coronavirus spending bill that the House drafted that Nancy Pelosi and her team came up with. It included man, mandating that states all uh, go along with early voting, mandating voting by mail, legalization of California-style ballot harvesting, same-day registration. If you want to make a list of all the ways in which people can cheat in elections, Nancy Pelosi tried to put those, mandate those across the country... By putting them in the very first coronavirus bailout package, fortunately, there were some people paying attention and uh, she didn't get too far in on that one. But I'm telling you, folks, this we must keep our eyes on and we must insist our legislators do not permit this kind of crazy. There is again, I want to go back and mention this story I talked about um, out of Wisconsin where they had the uh, the primary recently, even during the coronavirus Uh, challenge America is facing, and a lot of leftists were trying to force uh, that to go to all uh, either online or mail voting, and the state kept the in-person voting that they always do, which was in accord with their state law. And there were all sorts of scary headlines. You can read if you are trying to scare people. There were headlines that said, you know, nine people contract coronavirus because of uh, in-person voting in Wisconsin. You know, spread of coronavirus in Wisconsin due to um, this in-person voting. And USA Today, of all amazing sources, not usually a friend to conservatism, but they pointed out, they in fact were calling those articles... Fake. They were doing a fact check and saying these are not true. There's absolutely no evidence that in-person voting did, in fact, lead to some massive outbreak of coronavirus in Wisconsin. We do not have to go there. We cannot get pushed around by the left to going toward mail-in ballots. We can vote in person in the fall, and we ought to not even be thinking that by November of this year, we're still going to be in this crisis-level problem. And that is it on the voting issue uh, for today. I want to turn talk about something else. Um, the, uh, and I just think, you know, I think about political issues all the time, um, but I was thinking about the idea. This is about coronavirus and really what it brings out among people as any crisis does. Every time individuals or a society face a crisis, face a challenge, face something frightening, you have people who want to run and hide and duck and, and just make it go away. You have people who will stand up and fight. You have people who will just be sheep and wait to be told what to do. And you also see that in response to this kind of very serious challenge, of coronavirus, it is a very serious challenge. You have people who will just be easily duped by headlines, easily worked into a fearful lather easily therefore manipulable by anyone once you're in that place of fear you also discover in examining how people respond to a crisis what their real agenda is you discover what their real agenda is so here we are near the end of april And we've had this coronavirus crisis going on, depends when you call the starting date. We had January 31st was the date that President Trump cut off travel to America from China in response to the virus. But you can tell so much about people by how they choose to respond to this crisis. I will start with one example. The left goes in this country, the Democrat left in this country always has an agenda to increase and collectivize federal power in Washington to increase taxes, increase the amount of money Washington takes out of the pockets and bank accounts of the American people, always has the agenda of pushing more and more and more control over individuals. The left does not really believe today's left does not really believe in the fundamental idea of America, which is a nation committed to individual liberty and the right of the individual to live in freedom, to prosper, to exercise the rights guaranteed to him or her. They see their future, the left sees their future, as one benefited by people becoming weaker, federal government becoming stronger, government controlling more and more of your life, and the idea that people stand up for their freedom drives the left nuts. And let me give you some examples of the way the left has responded to this coronavirus crisis. You had, for example, in the in the uh, Market Watch publication, you had Appropriations Committee member, House Appropriations Committee member, Tim Ryan, Writing about the idea that in response to coronavirus, we had, we came up with a plan to fire up the economy by producing, introducing the Emergency Money for the People Act, providing almost every American with $2,000 a month until employment levels reach pre-coronavirus levels, every individual age 16 or older. And I'm going to tell you, folks, the left has Always liked the idea of making Americans more and more dependent on government. It weakens people when they become more and more dependent on government. It weakens their ability to function, to be self-reliant, to think for themselves. So you had this guy... Uh, again, Tim Ryan, Democrat of Ohio, talking about how exciting, exciting this is, You know, putting out numbers and levels and saying, yeah, yeah, you know, until the, everything's back, we're just going to send money to the state. And then you have Nancy Pelosi, uh, Speaker of the House. I hope she's still not Speaker of the House um, in 2021. I hope we win back the, the Republicans win back the House. But she actually came out with her very, very straightforward argument. We need to begin to talk about a minimum guaranteed income. This coronavirus has raised issues in America so we better turn to a a, and really take seriously she's saying this is now really worthy of our attention the idea of a minimum guaranteed income there couldn't be a more socialist idea the idea that simply because you exist the state sends you money every month every week every year whatever it is the state sends you money because you therefore will become dependent upon a ward of the state that is what will happen to you. That is what happens when you tell people you get to get money from the government for doing nothing. This used to be something the radical left would propose in this country and the Democrat Party trying to portray itself as more moderate and say, oh, no, we're the Democrats, we're not socialists. Just those crazies over there, Bernie Sanders. We're not socialists. They are. So this is now Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, saying we're going to get serious about this idea of a minimum guaranteed income. And then you turn to Bernie Sanders, who has been... Blathering away about the idea that we would have in this country handled the coronavirus crisis better if we had socialized medicine. So he of socialized medicine, you know, just committed to that idea for decades, always looking for a way. Instead of talking about things like how we can help, you know, first of all, ever acknowledging that the vast majority of people who contract coronavirus, who contract COVID-19 recover. Ninety eight percent of the people recover. 80% of the people experience no symptoms. This is not the crisis the left wishes it were. So Bernie Sanders, though, never on the page of trying to help America, never on the page of saying, look, we're doing pretty well. You know, we've gotten these we've actually gotten the hospitals mostly supplied with what they need. We have a a very promising uh, set of uh, examples to point to that that show that uh, hydroxychloroquine is actually helping people. Doctors in this country claiming that even though the NAS tried to put a kibosh on that. You, you never hear him say, look at the great work of these doctors and nurses and how America is coming through this, and we have flattened the curve. All this man can think about is another way to push his socialized medicine agenda, not helping the American people. I'll tell you something else. Talk about this, this crisis, as many crises do, help Americans see the true colors of the political parties, see the true colors of the individuals they elected. Two other examples, in this crisis, the left that lives, lives around the idea of identity politics the, the source of Democrat thinking on every issue is, is there some way we can tie this issue to race, ethnicity, national origin? Can we create another victim group in America that we can we can identify and then we can quickly sell them the idea that you're a victim and the only way you can survive is if you have the Democrat party in charge sending you universal basic income or some other amount of money every month. So. On other ways that the true colors of the Democrat party being shown in this crisis, there was a, we mentioned her before, a Michigan Democrat, a member of the state legislature in Michigan. She, a woman, contracted coronavirus, COVID-19. She was very grateful that her doctor prescribed and she followed the prescription hydroxychloroquine. She was so happy she recovered from COVID-19 that she actually thanked President Trump, thanked hydroxychloroquine, thanked her doctors for doing that, for prescribing it. So she recovered. She's thrilled to be alive and healthy. She's a very pretty black woman, as I say, member of the a Democrat member of the Michigan legislature. She is facing censure by her own political party because she said something nice about Donald Trump. Because she said, hey, I'm grateful that Donald Trump brought up hydroxychloroquine. In fact, I'm pretty sure she went to the White House and, and you know, to say thanks, to say this is a great thing, and I'm so grateful to be healthy. The Democrats could not stand the idea. They couldn't be grateful that she was better, couldn't be grateful she recovered, couldn't be grateful that she was one example of showing that hydroxychloroquine can help people, could not be grateful for any of that. Instead, are moving to censure her, which is what you do when you're a political party, to punish someone for wrongdoing. To punish someone because she said, wow, actually, you know, I'm better. I'm grateful for hydroxychloroquine. I'm grateful President Trump mentioned this." it. And in fact, that extremely nasty governor of Michigan, who's a Democrat, has weighed in to pile on this woman. How dare you? And let me get back to a point I was making at the beginning of the show. We have to get, we, we get so caught up in discussions of politics and competing political values and competing policies that we don't talk often enough. I mean, I try to, but I don't do it often enough to talk about the idea that the concept of truth exists. Truth exists. The doctors, Daniel Erickson and Dr. masahi who did the video that YouTube has now pulled down, that from their medical facility in Kern County, California, who said, hey, we looked at data, we can tell you facts. What YouTube is saying to them is, don't tell us facts. You aren't allowed to tell facts that are inconsistent with what we decide should be the public opinion. So you can't, you can't talk. You may be well-educated, experienced, knowledgeable doctors, but you can't talk because your view disagrees with ours. So you have to shut up and we have the power, so we're taking your video down. Same with this lady. She's just spoke truth. Truth offends the Democrat Party. They don't want people speaking truth. They don't want people telling America, hey, you know, hydroxychloroquine actually worked for me. Not saying it works for everyone. I'm just telling my life story, says this woman. No, she, she's done. I mean, she, and, uh, you know, she uh, just... Uh, is is being obliterated by the Democrat Party in Michigan. Similarly, we haven't even mentioned this story, um, but there was a Democrat lawmaker from the state of Georgia. He's a a Georgia state rep, a black Georgia state rep named Vernon Jones. Vernon Jones had the audacity to tweet on Tuesday that he was endorsing President Trump. This is uh, last week, endorsing President Trump. And he actually said in his tweet In response to people asking him, why would you, a black Democrat elected official in Georgia, endorse President Trump? And he said in response, they view, they, the Democrat Party, they've used and abused folks in my community for far too long, taking our votes for granted. Black Americans are waking up and uprising is near. And he says, I've seen more Democrats attack me for my decision to endorse real Donald Trump. Then even ask me why. And you know, I, in this time of just, uh, I, I know everything seems political in our country and this coronavirus thing it's, it's a horrible state of affairs that we have a crisis facing our country. We have people, regardless of skin color, race, ethnicity, any other identifying characteristic, people suffering from this virus. But what you see in the American left is the relentless determination Relentless determination to try to destroy the president, try to perpetuate the shutdown, to hurt the economy, to hurt the president, and then attack people who dare point out these things. That's what happened with Diamond and Silk. They, these two black conservative women who've been Trump supporters since 2016, they dared to voice the idea that the way the left and the media are responding to the coronavirus, the way they're responding in wanting to perpetuate the shutdown, wanting to keep everything shut down, hurt the economy, that everything the left is doing in response to the virus is designed to hurt President Trump. Now I gotta tell you folks, I think that what I just said is about as common sense as two plus two is four, that's it. Everyone can see it. Everyone who pays attention to politics can see The left in this country, the Democrat Party and the media are exploiting this crisis to hurt President Trump's reelection chances. That is a as one of my best friends of law school used to say she had very funny, many great expressions. One of them was that is just a P.G.O. P.G.O. meaning a pointed glimpse into the obvious. It is obvious to every American paying attention that the Democrats think they have their latest kill shot to take out President Trump. They couldn't take him out through the Russia collusion hoax. They couldn't take him out through the impeachment Ukrainian hoax. They couldn't take him out with their endless other efforts about taxes and the emoluments clause and you know the stripper, all those stories. They have been looking, the Democrat party's been looking since the moment President Trump won the presidency for a way to destroy him. And their treatment of the coronavirus crisis is just their latest way they are thinking they can possibly destroy the Trump presidency. And for saying that in America, so you know, uh, I guess Diamond and Silk don't have at least any more affiliation with Fox. They are famous enough, I guess they'd probably be somewhere else. But they are they are being shut down for speaking truth, as were the doctors who tried to speak out in Kern County, California. I wanna say one more thing about those doctors and YouTube taking down that video. Those doctors, in addition to what I said earlier, they did not, they didn't uh, talk politics, they didn't point fingers. They even said, you could see, you could understand the reaction Dr. Fauci had we first became aware of this virus. You can understand, my gosh, it's scary, it's coming from Wuhan, you know, it, probably the bioweapons lab, we don't know what they did with it, we don't know a lot of how about how it'll behave, so we went into massive defensive mode. They, these two doctors, were willing to say that. Erickson and Mah- masahi were willing to say in their video, yeah, that was understandable at the beginning, but here are the facts now. We just want to tell facts. What they were punished for, is speaking truth. Why the video was taken down is because they're speaking truth not approved by today's Ministry of Truth, which is YouTube, Google, and all those kind of sources. They will decide what is true, and then they will label anything they don't like, has nothing to do with truth or not truth, they label anything they don't like as inconsistent with their community standards. That's what they put on that video by these two doctors. I would actually guess, this is the thing I wanted to add, I think enough people saw, you can still see a clip of that video from my show yesterday. If you watched my show yesterday, and I was looking back at this morning trying to find that where it started at about the 11 minute mark, you can watch a portion of that video and I encourage you to do that if you didn't see it. But I think enough Americans saw it and I think the determination of YouTube to take it down There is no, I mean, again, no foul language, no accusations, no wild eyed statements. They basically were saying the shelter in place is actually not only a good idea, is not only a a bad idea, but, you know, in terms we didn't need to do this, but actually is potentially harming Americans in a variety of ways. And they're very factual data point, data point, data point. But what YouTube is saying is you can't tell truth that we don't approve of today's ministry of truth. I'm telling you. Okay. Well, let's say I wanted to mention about Texas and I call this Texas Forgot About Liberty. You know, everyone in Texas, I mean, I should say on the conservative side, the Republican side of the aisle, everyone in Texas loves to talk about how we are the leaders of liberty in Texas. We stand for liberty in this country. The whole spirit of Texas, the self-reliant can do upbeat. We can do this. We uh, Spirit in Texas is world famous, I mean, really, truly world famous. Texas has the 10th largest economy in the world. If Texas were a country, 10th largest economy in the world. Texas has that can-do spirit, we have that spirit of wanting to invite people to move here because we have low taxes, uh, low regulation, entrepreneurial uh, spirit, we have a spirit of freedom here that just is is just bursting out and you see it all over this state in, in many, many ways. And yet in this crisis, what has happened, we have had a lockdown and we've had, of course, as all states have, we've had the uh, governor put out some statements, some restrictions early on, but basically deferring to the county uh, authorities and every county. Because early on in Texas, we had, I think it was like half of our counties had no cases. And of coronavirus, no reason to have to have regulation. But in some of the bigger cities, bigger areas like Dallas, where I live, the Dallas County Judge, which is the highest position in Dallas County, it is an—it's ex- not a judge of a courtroom; it's an executive position. Uh, he has been issuing edicts which many people find repressive, draconian, exaggerated—you know, obnoxious. So everyone was waiting. Okay, now you had President Trump put out his guidelines that go to the. Uh, that relate to coronavirus. And again, President Trump is not the one ordering a shutdown. He's not ordering the shutdown. He's putting out guidelines. That's all he can do constitutionally, all that he's tried to do constitutionally. But he puts out guidelines and he has guidelines out now um, that are talking about how, you know, how we can reopen Texas. In fact, tomorrow on this show, we're going to be talking with Congressman uh, Gomer Louis Gohmert, about uh, who is a, a Texas representative in the United States Congress about the guidelines and how he sees them. But the point I'm getting at is the governor responded to what President Trump put out and our governor gave a uh, a adjusted policy, announced adjusted policy in Texas to deal with the fact that we're now, you know, we're, we're weeks into this. We've had everything shut down in Texas. We're having a lot of protests in Texas. And the governor put out his Uh, latest is how we're going to reopen Texas. And I'm telling you, the conservatives, myself included, are just deeply, deeply disappointed, frustrated, and honestly, kind of surprised, kind of surprised. We have Republican governor, we have Republican leadership at the state level throughout this state. We have the governor of Texas put together a commission that is pretty much a lot of donors and and friends of his and, and buddies, and they came up with this, how to reopen Texas. But you want to talk about just arbitrary government. So we have, for example, in Texas, starting on Friday, we have the shelter in place is done. And so everyone gets to go outside. Now, I did hear, and I'm going to follow up and tell you about if if this does come to be the case. I hear that our Dallas County judge uh, is considering um, still trying to put more repressive edicts in place, even despite the fact that the governor has said, You know, we're going to open up Texas, but in Texas, this particular order that is alleged to reopen Texas has things like, but you can only open malls, malls, for example, you know, retail stores and malls to 25 percent of capacity. Okay, so who knows what that really means. And, you know, they're going to count you when you go in. I mean, and once you get into a mall, are they going to have little police running around it, and you're supposed to honor social distancing? Uh, so it's 25%. It's a sporting events with no more than four people involved. And so I guess that counts basketball because you have to have five people in each team. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's a series of seemingly random. I mean, just random, arbitrary, and honest to most people's view, quite obnoxious. And, and and random isn't even strong enough a word. They're just they they're just like pulled out of thin air kind of recommendations. Uh, kind not just recommendations. These are the government's um, our government in Texas. Their new announcement uh, about what we are and are not allowed to do in Texas. So you have things like uh, you can have um, stores open, retail stores, but not hairdressers, not nail salons. I'm sorry, and nail salons for you men who don't know. Most women working there wear a mask anyway, even before the coronavirus, because they have, you know, I guess it's because of the smell of the polishes and probably because of some of the equipment they use or products they use. So but nail salons, no, hairdressers, no, they have I mean, it's it's the most arbitrary random. And I could go through the whole order in Texas, but that is not as interesting as what I'm the point I want to make about in closing up for today. The point I want to make is this. We cannot lose in our thinking the presumption of liberty and the idea that governments issue emergency orders when emergencies exist. I've said before, you do have emergency orders when there are tornadoes coming and floods in the area. I mean, things where you have to tell people, you know, get to high ground, get inside your house, get safe, don't go here, stay away from this area. You can have emergency orders but the coronavirus as we're hearing from dr fauci and other experts it is it's here it will be seasonal it's likely to come back in the fall come back numerous times and we're going to have to deal with it in a realistic way we cannot say for the rest of american history because we once had the wuhan coronavirus come to America that from now on we wait to be told whether we're allowed to open our own store, our own nail salon, our own beauty shop. We cannot have that as the presumption that we wait to be told. and part of what's troubling many people about Governor Abbott's order was and and the way it's even being spoken about by him and other elected officials and people in the media it is the government will allow X to open. The government will not allow this. And so people wake up thinking, what are the rules? Are we allowed to do this today? We don't know. This is not America. This is not America. Government has a job to warn you of dangers, to put information out, and to tell people, you know, we still think based on XYZ that you should stay home. Or we still think if you go out, you should wear a mask and socially distance and get in and out and get home as fast as you can. You can put information out and suggestions, but when you start to have, it's a shift in societal thought, a shift in the spirit of liberty in Texas and around America that says, because of a virus which for all we know will be with us forever for all we know there will never be a vaccine that works for all we know there will never be a medication that works i want don't get me wrong i want all those things i hope a vaccine is developed that is effective and and safe and i hope that medications numerous medications are developed to help people recover and to help them with the symptoms during their time they're suffering from covid19 i want all that developed but we cannot suspend the expectation of liberty in this country until we have a safe method of dealing with coronavirus. We can't say no more liberty in America until, I don't know, two years, five years, 10 years, the rest of your life. We can't do that to our country. We're surrendering too much liberty already. Texas kind of, you know, in fact, there was there was a ranking made of how much states opened up, comparing who who opened up the most versus the least. And Texas ranked 10th instead of one. Everyone expects, well, Texas, of course, we're gonna rank first. It ranked 10th. And I tell you that to say, this is a troubling sign for people in Texas because we expect our government to trust the people, to trust the people, to protect the vulnerable and trust the healthy. We expect people to be able to make decisions for themselves to trust them to make decisions for themselves, so and to be and to live in freedom. So if you're, you know, the people who are concerned about reopening and don't think we should reopen, no one's making you leave your home. You should stay home if you fall in a vulnerable category, or if you're fearful, or if you feel unsure of yourself, or if you're not sure you're invulnerable or not. Whatever your reasons, you should stay home. But the people who feel they need to stay home should not be dictating whether the healthy. And those who want to live in freedom should be allowed to do that. That is really the message as I close up today, talking about this idea of liberty. We cannot treat the coronavirus in our public policy discussion as simply a health care problem. It's also a liberty issue. And liberty is being slowly, slowly nibbled away at, attacked and undermined by our submission to government policies that are intended to protect us but actually seem to be, they are more draconian, more limiting than we have ever experienced in American history, as Dr. Erickson said in the video that YouTube just just took down, and maybe they'll put it back. I meant to float that idea. Maybe YouTube gets so much pressure, they put it back. But as he talked about in this video, Dr. Erickson, among many brilliant points he made, was that we have never in the history of America, never, engaged in the kind of thing we're doing now, which is we are forcing the healthy to stay home. Past quarantines. Quarantines are keeping people who are infected with a dangerous contagious infection, keeping them confined so they don't spread the, the contagion. That's what a quarantine is. When you force people who are healthy and not don't have a problem and want to work, you force them to stay home, that's not a quarantine. It's more like a house arrest. It's a house arrest of the healthy. And this is something in America, we have to be mindful right now. we've As Dr. Erickson said, we've never done this before, and we ought to get really clear that we're going to push back very hard against the government beginning to treat this as a new, lower, uh, lowest level of freedom, or the new, whichever way you say it, highest, lowest. We're not going to agree that this becomes the norm, the expectation for the American people, that the government ways to tell us, even if you're healthy, that you have to stay home. The government should tell you about the threat, but they should not be forcing healthy people to stay home, especially as the stay-at-home orders, the shelter-in-place orders, are destroying the American economy. As I mentioned earlier, I have a guest joining me tomorrow, Congressman Louie Gohmert. He represents, I always think it's symbolic, Congressional District 1, the great state of Texas. He'll be joining me uh, to talk about what he, how he sees the president's um, new guidelines and how he sees what we ought to be doing in this country um, with, um, uh, with coronavirus policy. And so we'll enjoy having you on tomorrow. And right now, wrapping up today, I want to tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So for our very first story today, we talked about Ayn Rand and the coronavirus ministry of truth. Um, Famous authors Ayn Rand and George Orwell, who wrote 1984, sounded the warning. They knew exactly what government by thought control was like. Consider Google has taken down Dr. Erickson's video for possible justification, except thought control. Dr. Erickson voiced data-based medical opinions contrary to the Fauci-Burks party line, and Google YouTube removed his comments from the public's view. Fox parted ways with Diamond and Silk, two black conservative women for questioning whether herd immunity tactics might be better than shutdown, and Fox acts to terminate, no questioning the the Fauci-Burks party line. You aren't allowed to question the ministry. Thought control is tyrannical. It's dangerous. It's anti-American. Freedom is precious. Americans must insist on keeping their freedoms. And Hans von Spakovsky joined us today. Uh, Democrats mail-in ballot scheme. Everyone who pays attention to elections, knows mail-in ballots are a tool for for election theft. Ballot harvesting is just one form of cheating enabled by mail-in ballots. Forgeries, deceased voters, non-resident voters, many others. President Trump and the American people must draw a line in the sand. There will be no new mail-in ballot initiatives for 2020. No circumstances surrounding COVID-19 would justify this. American democracy is already hanging by a thread because of agenda-driven media that lies to the people. The people can work around the media through their votes, but not if mail-in ballots sabotage our election integrity. And on the coronavirus exposing the leftist agenda, a crisis reveals character in individuals and political parties and in countries. Democrats demand socialism, Nothing is about helping Americans by honoring freedom. Bernie continues arguing, blathering about socialized medicine, not even addressing actual medical strategies to protect the vulnerable. Universal basic income is a mass dependency-creating tool Democrats have always wanted. Bringing this up after the nearly $3 trillion in unaffordable spending is delusional. Playing the race card never stops. Democrats pounce on Detroit black state representative for thanking Trump and on Georgia black state senator for supporting Trump. Blacks must never leave the Democrat plantation because losing even 15% of the black vote is fatal to the Democrats. 2020 is truly about the future of American freedom. Americans must see what's at stake and vote for Trump and the GOP in 2020. And finally, in Texas, we seem to have forgotten about liberty. Texas, under Governor Abbott, is not leading the opening up. Gradual reopening approach in Texas has no science or logic whatsoever behind it. Malls at 25% of the capacity? Why not 20 or 33 or 50? No sports if more than four people are playing? Why not five, seven, 12? No salons, the epitome of small business in America. No salons until May 18th, why not May 4th or May 11th? The rich, and I meant to make this point, I wanted to say it briefly here. The rich people who are sitting around complaining and virtue signaling about how great it is and how noble they are because they're staying home and aren't they really special because they understand they're being selfless. These rich folks staying home and celebrating their virtue about their willingness to stay home until someone allows them out of their house again. These are people who can have their groceries delivered, their houses cleaned, their yards taken care of. They've got savings. They can just sit there in their homes and be safe. And their mockery, I'm talking about the Hollywood elite and, the, and other wealthy uh, people of both parties, but mainly wealthy liberals, just signaling their great virtue and being willing to stay home are ignoring the reality. They can do it because they have wealth. The people in this country who elected Donald Trump, they're the ones who cannot do it. The salon owners, the small business owners, they can't sit out this long term shelter in place edict and survive. And that's what they're trying to say. So back to this. I'm sorry to interrupt my little why it matters, but I want to get that in. The rich can wait it out. The vast majority of Texans cannot. Protect the vulnerable, trust the wealthy. Best slogan ever. Protect the vulnerable, trust the healthy is the right answer. Governor Abbott needs to honor the Texas spirit and accelerate the reopening. And my very, very fine friends, this was America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to America Can We Talk, where I'm here every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. When we talk truth
1: about America.